This is a presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu. Welcome to the Center for Sports Studies podcast. My name is Brandon Podgorski, Professor of Sport Management at Trine University, and I want to welcome you to this week's podcast. Today is a special podcast as we replay the Center for Sports Studies Building Your NIL Brand Symposium that took place on Thursday, December 9th. Center for Sports Studies committee member and professor of communications at Trine, Andy Brown, moderated a panel of NIL branding experts. Panel members included assistant professor at the University of Finley and president and CEO of Triple Threat Leadership, Dr. Scott Grant, account executive at Atlas Sport Partners, Carly Tower, and the Director of Center for Sports Studies and Assistant Professor of Sport Management at Trine University, Professor Brandon Podgorski. I hope you enjoy the replay of the Building Your NIL Brand Symposium. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome into our forum today. Uh, I'm Andy Brown, Assistant Professor of Communication at Trine University and a committee member on the Center for Sports Studies, and I absolutely want to welcome you uh, to today's symposium. Today we're joined by Dr. Scott Grant, Assistant Professor of Education at the University of Findlay and President and CEO of Triple Threat Leadership, Carly Tower, Account Executive at Altia Sports Partners, and Brandon Podgorski, Assistant Professor of Sport Management and Director of the Trine University Center for Sports Studies. Thank you all for being here. Uh, this is really relevant, timely discussion about something that uh, I know I've been following in the news and I'm looking forward to learning a lot more about. Uh, the Trine Center for Sports Studies is a multidisciplinary teaching and experimental learning collaborative at Trine University, focusing on the study of sports and international sports industry. The center draws from well-respected Trine University programs and courses in business, health sciences, and communication, to provide the broadest range of sports-related academic major, minors, and internships to prepare trying students for this fast-growing and dynamic international marketplace. Now, we kindly ask that all participants, other than our guest panel, mute their devices during the symposium. At the end of the talk, all guests will have the opportunity to ask our experts some questions. At no time during today's symposium are you obligated to show your screen. Today's symposium is being recorded and will be available on the Trine University Sport Management YouTube channel and the Trine Center for Sports Studies podcast. So I want to go around and do a little introductions. Dr. Scott Grant, uh, if we could, uh, could you tell us a little bit about your work in this field? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm actually a former high school teacher, coach, AD turned college professor. And then um, I spent the last two years at the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill working in athletics, primarily leadership development operations. And to be honest, all of this was coming at the forefront when I was at UNC. So um, I was able to kind of see what it looked like at the, at the college level. Part of my passion point, so I, I have a company called Triple Threat, and then I just started nil-education.com. And primarily what it does is it helps people understand what it is, because I think there's a pretty big void in the education component for student athletes, for parents, for coaches, et cetera. Uh, and really, as this becomes more and more at the high school level, that's where a lot of my passion points are to help people grow through the process, because I saw a lot of student athletes not understanding uh, what this looks like um, and really needing some back end help. So that's kind of the, the environment that I'm in and, and why I love everything about helping people understand this. 
Great. Thank you, Dr. Grant. Uh, Carly, uh, Carly Tower from LTS Sports Partners. Uh, can we hear a little bit about your background? Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you all for having me. Thanks for being here. Um, it's good to be with you. Um, like Professor Brown said, I'm Carly Tower. I'm an accounting executive with LTS Sports Partners, and we are um, a leading edge advisory and education firm in the NIL space. Um, and as the collegiate sports landscape really continues to evolve, um, addressing some of these new and emerging areas um, that exist as well. Um, as an accounting exec, I'm working with um, several of our um, university clients with their athletics departments, coaches, student athletes, and all things um, NIL and branding and preparing for all the changes that are going to be taking place. Um, I have a personal background as a volleyball student athlete, played volleyball at Dartmouth. And so a lot of these changes are really exciting for me personally. I'm real passionate about them, which they'd happened maybe four or five years ago and I could have taken advantage of them myself, but nonetheless, um, pumped to be working with um, many folks in the space um, to really make sure everyone's empowered, equipped, educated to maximize opportunities in the way that make the most sense for them, right? It's not going to be the same for everyone. So that's um, brief background on Altius and on myself. Um, but yeah, thanks for having me. Of course. And thank you very much, Carly. Uh, Brandon Podgorski is the uh, chair of our Center for Sports Studies. And uh, I want to introduce Brandon today. Brandon. Yeah, hi. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Professor Brown. I'm really excited to bring this symposium together with Dr. Grant and, and Carly and, and obviously Professor Brown here moderating. Uh, my name, again, Brandon Podgorski. I'm an assistant professor of sport management here at Trine University and director of our Center for Sports Studies. Um, this is my fifth year here in Trine, uh, but as far as it relates to NIL, I was in college athletics for 10 years as a coach and athletic director at the, at the D3, the JUCO, in the NAIA level. So I've had a little bit of experience as far as on the administrative side, you know, maybe not at that high level at, at D1, but a lot of the things that we see in college athletics, um, it's not just contained to D1. You know, D3 is one of is the largest um, as far as institution goes in the NCAA. So um, when these policies come down, it's not just kind of those big power five that are affected. Um, it's, it's schools all across the country in all different divisions. So uh, that's what I'm interested in. And, and that's where I do a, a lot of my research and, and especially with, with small colleges and, and kind of the financial impacts that sports have on small colleges. Um, with this symposium today, as I was talking with students on you know, what would you be interested in hearing about or learning a little bit more about as we bring in experts from, from all over the field in our podcast and our blog and the other things that we do. Uh, NIL was, was right at the top. And I know we've got some students just on our campus who are, who are taking advantage of some opportunities. And there may not be those million dollar quarterback opportunities here uh, at, at the D3 level. Um, but, you know, if you could find some opportunities to maybe eat free for a month with a, with a certain restaurant, uh, sure. what I wanted to do with this symposium is bring in experts who can talk about how can you build your brand? How can you best position yourself in order to be marketable? And, and I think, you know, not just in sport, but I think this has some uh, implications in, in your career as well. You know, how can we use social media and other things to our advantage? So um, excited, excited to, to get going today. You know, Brandon, when I started to hear about this a while ago, my only interest was getting NCAA football back, um, the video <laughs> game. <laughs> I was really excited about that. My kids and I love to play that game, and I don't think we've had one. Was it 2014? Maybe the last one of those. Right. 
so I think we might be getting it back. So for me, that's a positive. But beyond that, this is a really complex issue. Could you shed a little light uh, for everybody on just what NIL is? Yeah, and as I shared um, before in kind of our, our uh, pre-symposium meeting, I guess, um, I, I can't help but to have a little bit of a PowerPoint with me. So I do want to share something with you all, and, and hopefully you can see this uh, well on your screens. But just a, a couple things about the NIL and, and how it's defined. And as we look at NIL, it's just any activity uh, or situation in which a student athlete's name, image, likeness, or personal experience. Uh, appearance is used for promotional purposes by a non-institutional entity. Uh, this includes individual student-athlete, a commercial entity, or non-institutional, non-profit, or charitable entity. So as we're looking at the trying policy, what they say, while such activities may provide compensation for a student-athlete, those activities that do not provide compensation are also covered under this policy. So like I said, you know, if you go to um, uh, Chipotle, Subway, and, and they want to give you some free food that would be covered under something like this, right? So student athletes' uh, use of monetization of their name, image, and likeness, it can involve a wide range of activities, and it's, it may involve but not limited to what you see on your screen here, uh, traditional commercials or advertisements for products and services, you know, as we think about traditional kind of TV commercials, radio commercials, uh, student athletes developing and promoting their own businesses. Uh, I think this one's especially interesting in the technology age with like uh, YouTube channels, um, Instagram stories, all these different things available, TikTok, all these different available avenues for, for student athletes. Personal appearances, um, running their own camps or clinics, uh, providing private lessons and being able to market them under your name and not necessarily under the school um, sponsored social media posts, and then uh, autograph sessions as well. And, you know, I guess if you're a Ohio State athlete, you can now sold, sell gold pants, I guess, if you want to do that now. So, um, and as we're looking, this is, again, from trying, but a lot of this is pretty universal among institutions all across the country. Um, but some do's and don'ts, what you can and what you can't do. Um, can you profit off your NIL? Yes, you can. Um, can it include performance-based incentives? So, uh, you know, if you get 10 sacks a season, we're going to end up giving you more money. Uh, that's a no-no. Uh, can your agreement require or incentivize attending trying? So if you're between two schools, maybe trying and Adrian, and we have a car dealer say, hey, if you come to trying, I'll give you 10 grand, right? Uh, can't do that. Uh, are there certain categories of goods or services? So things like alcohol, gambling, adult entertainment, um, that are pro prohibited, yes, there are. So you can't just um, be a brand uh, rep for anything that you want. Uh, can you use the trying logos in your activities? You cannot. Can you engage in NIL opportunities during organized team activities like during practice? You cannot. Um, but you can hire representation to help secure these activities. Um, and you do need to disclose them to your institution. So. Um, just a quick overview there on, on NIL and, and some of the do's and, and some of the don'ts. There. Good stuff, Brandon. Thank you again. And I wanted to start off with Carly. I think the thrust of this new program is to benefit student athletes, right? Ultimately, this is supposed to, to help them. And when you look at this, it could be complicated at the beginning to kind of know how to start. Carly, how can student athletes best position themselves? to maximize their opportunities with NIL? 
Yeah, it's a great question. And I think the most common one amongst um, the folks that we're working with at Altius is, okay, this is great. I'm excited about it. I want to make money. I want to get, you know, free gear, but how do I even start? I don't know where. Um, and a really simple, but truly the best place to start is think about, all right, what do you like? <laughs> you know, like, do you, what do you like to do? What do you like to wear? What do you like to eat? What do you consume a lot of, watch a lot of, whatever that is. Think about what do you like? Um, that's a great place to start in terms of, all right, I really like Mexican food. All right. Are there local Mexican restaurants I might want to reach out to? Is it a larger chain like Chipotle? Do I want to design shirts that have tacos or burritos on them? Because I'm also an artist. Things like that. Think about what um, you like to do, what you're good at, where your skill sets lie outside of just your sport. Obviously, you're skilled there. But, um, you know, are you also an artist or a musician or, you know, whatever your, um, are you really organized and like to, you know, want to start a design business, things like that. Um, you know, starting with what you like, what you're good at um, is a great place to start. And then from there, thinking about, all right, how do I target myself to those companies, those brands that I might want to work with that are related to what I am already interested in. So whether it's thinking about, you know, sending a formal letter, a formal email, um, cleaning up your social media to portray um, what is authentic to you and could attract those types of brands. Um, that's really a great place to start. I think it's really important before you get started, even contacting businesses to really understand how this rule works and yeah. um because there are some i think brandon's slide was right on point there are some do's and don'ts here that you want to be aware of uh, before you launch into this and maybe get to a place where you're making a mistake and you didn't even know it right uh dr scott how did athletes really maximize their potential here I, what do you think about that part yeah no i think i think it's hard because i think everybody comes into this thinking, oh, I'm going to make a lot of money because now I can do this as a student athlete. And, and when you look at the statistics, it's it's not a lot, right? I think average for division one is like $1,200 all the way down to division three is like $37. So part of this is really understanding, we always call it UVP, right? Your unique value proposition. So I, I always tell people the basis of NIL is about branding and, and the basis of branding is about personal branding, which at the end of the day is you figuring out your values and figuring out what's unique to you and how you want that to come across in person and online. And too often people don't educate themselves on that first because you can't walk into a Mexican restaurant or any of these, these places and say like, hey, I think you should sponsor me because I'm an athlete at Trine, right? And they're going to ask like, why you? I always tell people, you think about every interview that you have, the last question is always like, why you, right? Mm -hmm. If you're not clear on that answer, that that's ultimately a great place to start. And then there has to be some sort of return on investment. Like, oh, great, you play football at Trine. Why should we sponsor you, right? What's the return on investment for me as an organization? So for students that, that really want to maximize this NIL, it's about what, what do they want success to look like? Is it generating a certain amount of money? Is it, is it uh, attaching themselves to certain things that they enjoy? But first, you got to understand, like, what is that about yourself, right? What are your core values? What do you want that to look like? And how are you going to project that? So when you are selling it, like, they do your research, and it is clear 100%. That's what this kid is all about. And that's why we want to partner with them moving whatever it is forward. Are there some pitfalls here that maybe a, a young student and, and really we're all kind of early days with NIL. Are there some pitball, pitfalls that these kids should really be aware of right at, right at the beginning? Yeah. I mean, to be honest, of, of a, most of the students that I've worked with, there was a clear disconnect between their in-person brand and their online brand, 
right? And, and I've been teaching branding in high school since 2014. And I always tell people, you have a brand value equation, right? I meet you in person, I'm gonna give you a score. I meet you online, I'm gonna give you a score. And only that score is pretty much where it's gonna be. I've seen horror stories of division one football player coming in with two different agents, right? One gets 20% and one gets 40%. They didn't oh. know, it doesn't matter who brings in the deal. Um, I, I've seen people not understanding tax implications. I, I saw a girl from high school who there's a lot of, there's, well, technically there's three states right now that allow NIL for high schools and kids are signing deals. So it's, when you look at financial aid, FAFSA, all of that goes into play, especially if you're generating a lot of income, actual revenue that you have to pay attention to. Do you have an LLC? What's the liability aspect of that? So there's much more from an education perspective than just going in and saying, hey, yeah, I, I want you to sponsor me and, and I'm going to pay you. Like you're now technically an employee, like a, a brand voice ambassador of this organization. And, and that's a that's a heavy thing to understand and really take control of if you're not really clear on who you want to be individually from the get go. Brandon, we've talked a lot about social media with Center for Sports Studies and I, I know I've read a couple articles about student athletes who have really marshaled the power of social media to, mm -hmm. to propel themselves into NIL, into NIL opportunities. What does that look like for a student? Do students really need to get a background in even just using social media? And, you know, maybe they use it casually, but to use it more in a professional way, is that something that, that needs to be a consideration too? Yeah, I'm glad you kind of made the the differentiation of, of casual as opposed to kind of business, right. because, you know, we'll, we'll do projects here in the school of business, or, or we'll talk about, you know, interviewing and getting ready for jobs. And, you know, I'll say, well, how many of you use social media and, you know, everybody's hands go up. Um, but then when you go and actually check on what it is, or then you ask them to kind of, okay, implement this in, into this project. Um, they really don't know how to use social media other than, you know, hey, posting pictures, replying, and, and hitting like, right? They don't understand about um, the analytics and, and, you know, what post at what time of day, um, what's actually captivating. And then as you're talking about, you know, how they can best use it, um, I think that's one of those things. You know, I, I was looking at a statistic, and, and this was from, from Harris Interactive. Now it's, it's a few years old, so I think it's a little bit low. But just about approximately 40% of organizations who are doing hire who are doing hiring are checking your social media um, mm -hmm. before they interview. Um, I would have to say that's got to be low. Now that's anecdotal on my part, but I got to think it's a lot higher because you know I mean I can get your resume and I can look at you, but if I go on your actual social media site and I think this is what Dr. Grant was talking kind of talking about, you know, meeting you in person as opposed to meeting you online, um, I might come away with two different you know, judgments about you before mm -hmm. I even meet you. And that's, I don't know if that's necessarily fair, but it is the world that we're living in sure. right now. And so uh, when I graduated college, I had an awesome opportunity and, and uh, was a partner and owner in some health clubs around the Midwest. And uh, we opened up at 5 a.m. So anytime I was going to hire somebody coming in for that 5 a.m. shift, yeah, I was looking at your social media because a lot of the people I were hiring were college students. And if I saw, saw that you were posting drunk pics at 3 a.m., um, it's not fair. I'll stipulate that, but I can't hire you, right? Because that's my business and that's how I eat. Right? So I think um, this is why I'm really excited to, to have Scott and, and Carly here um, to kind of talk about, hey, there's some pitfalls with some of the stuff that you put online, whether we like, like it or not. 
However, there's a real opportunity. Um, I think LinkedIn is a great thing for this to showcase yourself as, you know, I'm not just a, a sport management expert or a sport management student, but I'm a sport management expert. Like this is the great things I've done. And, and this is how I can bring value to your organization. Um, and I hope that, you know, through these opportunities, students start to see that. So Carly, when you start to talk about social media, are there any rules of thumb about how these students can brand themselves? And, you know, you, somebody talked about an agent earlier. I think Dr. Grant mentioned agents. Do you need an agent at the, at the beginning of this? Um, maybe somebody to coach you on, on, on self-branding. What about the social media side and using that technology to create a brand, Carly? Yeah, absolutely. I agree with everything that's been said. And so a common theme of that is consistency, right? who you are in person, who you are online should be consistent. And it doesn't mean it has to be fake and polished or whatever. That's not authentic to who you are, but you, you know, should certainly consider that people are looking at that. Um, just as a small example, one of the athletes we're working with an SEC football player, we're in a session, he raised his hand. He said, does this mean I can't swear in my captions? And we're like, well, I'm not going to tell you whether you should or shouldn't, but is that authentic to you? Is that what you want brands to see? And if that's if, if so, that's fine, you know, but just think about it. And so I think consistency and authenticity is so key. But then to that question of, do you need an agent or a brand manager or a marketing representative? Um, I think the answer is no. Um, in fact, most athletes at all levels are not working with an agent in this space, um, at least at this point, you know, because we're pretty early on. A lot of the deals are not as high dollar. Um, so you don't, you may not need an agent in the traditional sense for it. However, um, I think it's crucial that you're surrounding yourself with the right people who can help you make informed choices, who can help you, you know, hold up a mirror in some ways and say, you know, I, this is what I see when I see you on social media versus in person, for example, or this is, you know, in my experience working with brands or in the professional space, um, a hiring manager, whomever may not, you know, be pleased to see this, or may, they may, you know, see this in one way that's different than you intended. So having those people around you, um, not only to navigate the brand space, but as Dr. Grant mentioned, things like taxes, things like business ownership, having people you trust, um, who you can use as a sounding board, who can give you some advice, help you manage the work of this because it is, you know, an additional layer that you all have, um, you know, in addition to your academics and your athletics and social life. So, um, you know, whether it's an agent or otherwise, um, it could be your parents, it could be, a, you know, a classmate or a roommate that you really trust, but having those people around you um, is going to be really uh, a differentiator for athletes who are doing this well versus those who are maybe not doing as well initially. Carly, did the NCAA just drop this into student athletes' lap? Is the NCAA providing resources for these kids uh, to navigate this, uh, or did they just sort of introduce it and you're on your own? I, I would yeah. think if I don't have a great support system around me as a student athlete, mm -hmm. this could be a little intimidating or a little daunting to get started. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, not to go into the nitty gritty, you know, several months and even years leading up to these rules going live, but it was messy and it was chaotic. And there um, is not a whole lot of, speaking of consistency, consistency across the board um, from a state level, 
um, you know, in terms of what the rules are, certainly not from a school level. There are a lot of things that are similar, like um, Brandon mentioned, but there are also some differences in how schools are approaching this. So, um, you know, in order to maximize this best for where you all are at, at Trine, or if we have anyone else who's, you know, from a different school, um, the best place to go for those resources would truly be your athletic department, whether I'm going to volunteer, mm -hmm. Brandon, for those of you at Trine, or otherwise, I'm sure you plenty of other great resources, but going directly to the source at your school, there are going to be folks who want to help you succeed, who want to help you. Um, but knowing that there are differences in maybe what some of your peers or high school teammates are doing at their university, if they're in a different state, things like that, it may look different. Um, so to answer your question, Professor Brown, there's not a whole lot at this point of consistent resources available just because the regulations and the frameworks are a little bit um, different between school to school and state to state. So for those on here, um, if you have specific questions or, you know, need specific resources, um, first best place to turn would be your school and the resources that they're providing directly. What about that, Brandon? Uh, obviously, Matt Lance, maybe the best Division three athletic <laughs> director anywhere. Um, and he he is fantastic, uh, but also you are well versed in this as well. Where would a trine student go uh, to really get the background and the information that they need to get started? Yeah, I think I'd probably start with with your AD. I, I'd start mm -hmm. with Matt and, and go from there. You know, um, all of this kind of falls to the AD, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we're well versed or we have the education or background in it. I know if I was still in athletic administration, I know enough to be dangerous. Um, but could I really counsel a student athlete really well on like, hey, this is the best way to maximize it? Um, I, I don't know if I could, if I was being honest about it. Um, but I know the people on campus and I know and I would have the resources available at the ready. So um, I, I would just go to my AD, my AD and, and maybe start with your coach and, and then go to AD. Sure. But yeah, absolutely. Go to those um, in your athletic department who you can trust and, and who have your best interest at heart. Dr. Grant. If you could give maybe two or three pieces of advice to a student who wants to build their brand and use all of the technologies and availabilities uh, available to them to land an NIL deal, what would those pieces of advice be? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing is, is before you do anything online, you have to really clarify individually who you want to be what that we talked about it what that unique value proposition is for you what's important to you and, and clarify that was right I mean in business we teach people we have we have this brand that we want people to remember us by and then we activate it in certain methods right for most kids it's they're activating it through social media and they're doing all these things but they've never really identified what what do they want the experience on the other side of them to be so until they clarify that they need to scale back the activation maybe the social media use those other pieces right. if the goal is to get really serious about maximizing nil i think the other thing too is identifying the uniqueness of the situation right so a student athlete at trine and and again my brother went to trine when it was tri-state and, and understanding angola and really the market, it's different, right? So in recruiting, there are schools that push, hey, we're a small town that really loves the institution and there's more opportunities here than if you go to a school the same size in a bigger city where it's more watered down. So really identifying what, what's unique to the Angola area, to that tri-state area, that for you wanting to do this, what does that look like, right? But again, it has to tie back to that, that individual value set because I think too many people jump forward of, of really missing this is all about building a successful life right nil is a piece of that sure 
And at the, at the base foundational core is all about personal branding, which I think at the college level is so impactful, no matter what the route is. Right. So I think for that it is to move it back. I always tell people too, when they're looking at the social media, when they can clarify themselves and their values, et cetera, it makes everything else easier, right? Online real estate. So your pictures, your bios, your headings, all of those things are consistent. And we've said that numerous times, consistent to your story, your value, your end niche that you're trying to fit within. And, and that's an awesome thing when students can clarify that and move it forward. Carly, anything to add? No, I, I completely agree. The clarity um, is essential. So agree with Dr. Grant. Do you two see this spiraling out of control in, as a sports fan? I watch a lot of big time college football, for instance, or basketball. Uh, I'm a Michigan Wolverine fan, and we've had a few minor malfeasances in basketball recruiting through the years. Um, doesn't this, my concern, I guess, is that this, this could open a new way of quote unquote cheating. Uh, we talked about the fact that businesses can't offer stuff to get you to go to a school. I'm cynical enough to be afraid that that could happen uh, in some of these instances. Um, do you think that this will make the rules more clear cut and cut down on cheating? Or do you think it could make it even worse in some of these big schools? What do you guys think about that? Carly, you want to start? Yeah, it's it's a it's a fun question and uh, one that my imagination starts running wild. But I think there's a subset of folks who think, all right, this has already been happening anyway. These new rules just bring it above the table okay. um, and make it okay in a sense of you know some schools may have been paying athletes or, or whatever, but now these opportunities could be more legitimate. So um, I think some people are put a little bit at ease by that that now it's coming to light and it's okay. Um, but I think you know, NIL was in some views, an endpoint um, of where college athletics was going to be. And now it's really just the starting point for a lot more to come. And so I think that um, creates a lot of blurriness, um, a lot of gray area, especially like I alluded to before with some of the differences between state laws and school policies and things like that for how this may be used in recruiting and how um, coaches may want to leverage it or how brands may want to leverage it to get folks to come to certain schools. So, um, I think there it's certainly important and I always already important and will continue to be important in recruiting, but how it actually plays out, um, whether it's in large dollar figures or, you know, different, um, you know, uh, gray areas or lines that people try and really walk or even, you know, slightly step over. Uh, I'm just, I'm going to be, you know, eating my popcorn, watching it all unfold. <laughs> Dr. Grant, uh, yeah. I just got offered a Tahoe to go play at university. Why? Yeah. Uh, what are you going to do for me? See, and, and that's the conversation, I think, when this first started rolling, you know, people are pumping out graphics about their exposure settings and those types of things. But I think there, I think there are benefits to it, like, like Carly mentioned. People don't understand that a lot of kids who are at that elite level are already getting free elements in high school, right? I mean, oh. it, it's, it's out of control. So when people think like, oh, yeah, this is terrible, et cetera, like a lot of this has already been happening. But I think the point is, you'll start noticing like you said, you're a Michigan fan, right? Like Blake Corum, who used part of his NIL to, to give turkeys back. Like yeah. they're starting to understand, especially with the elite. And I think you have to be a little bit understanding of the top football, basketball pl players at power five. That's, a, that's a little bit of a different conversation than some of the others. So, you know, he's using it to give turkeys and he's doing community engagement, but you see that schools are branding these elements 
along with their brand, like the University of Texas, right? They're all gas, no brakes. That's like their, their branded initiative. They're, they're pushing it. So they've actually started branding position groups within their football program with different programs. So they have the Burnt Ends, which is a program that helps support the tight ends. They just started the Pancake Factory, which is $800,000 to support 16 linemen, 50K a year. But what they have to do to receive that is they have to provide community engagement support, right? So they're pushing these student athletes to start to identify how they can build some of those skills, techniques, community engagement elements, knowing that they're going to go to that next level, right? There's always going to be lots of money. The question is going to be, are there donor bases that can get more creative than others? And how does that really impact the movement forward? My big concern is now that this is funneling into the high school realm, because let's face it, everything that happens at the college realm funnels into high school. New York passed it, New Jersey passed it, California passed it. So you have high school kids now doing this and it's, it's going to be even quicker. It's going to be more magnified. You're going to have kids signing deals that, well, if I signed with Adidas, I shouldn't go to this school because they're a Nike school. Recruitment's going to change. There's a lot of moving patterns between the high school movement to college that I think is going to be a little bit more telling over the next year uh, that I'm curious about. A lot of gray area out here, Brandon. Uh, anything to add to this? Well, I think just to that last point, um, you know, parents, if, if we're going to go into high school and, and Dr. Grant's talked a lot, you know, with those uh, states that have opened this up where high schoolers can even start to, um, to profit on this. Um, I really urge parents of those players who have an opportunity to play at the next level, um, get around people that you trust um, that can help kind of navigate you through some of these waters. Um, the only other thing I would kind of add to, to what we were just talking about, I think it's, you know, I like how Carly said she was going to kind of sit back and, and eat popcorn and watch this um, because now that I'm not intimately involved on a day-to-day basis, I'm going to do the same thing. And I'm going to watch mid-majors. I'm going to, it's going to be interesting to see how this may have an impact on, on mid-majors, especially at D1 where, you know, the, the backup quarterback at Alabama um, can get a, a really great deal more so than, you know, the, the top running back, the top quarterback at, at Western Michigan. Um, so how's that going to affect some of those smaller schools when it comes to recruiting? They're always going to be able to get players, um, but how's the dynamics change? Because there's a, you know, there's a lot of money in those small towns, you know, Tuscaloosa or Hattiesburg or where, wherever it would be. Um, there's some boosters who, who want to win, you know, talking about Texas um, and what they're doing for their linemen. All that's coming from booster money. And, sure. you know, those mid-majors just don't have that type of support. So um, I think the recruiting landscape of this is, is going to be fascinating. Yeah. And, and not to jump back in, but I also think there's, yeah. there's a uniqueness that some people forget about where, you know, if you look at total sports for NIL compensation, yeah, it's football, then it's women's basketball, then it's men's basketball, then it's women's volleyball and baseball, et cetera, where sometimes I'm seeing students that are, that are really solid on brand, really solid on activations, and in sports that they know they don't have a next level, right? So like field hockey, there's been a lot of NIL movement in field hockey because there isn't a next level for them, like lacrosse, right? So they have four years to maximize this. And then they're moving into a pattern where I got to go get a job. So some of the, there's, there's almost a different strategy depending on what sport you play and what that looks like, et cetera. So I think it'll be interesting to see how that transitions moving forward and the support and the schools, et cetera. So 
I mean, let's face it. The first person to profit was a D3 volleyball player in Michigan, right? Like mm. she made how-to videos when she was in high school. So it's not just the elite. They're going to get theirs. So part of it's really identifying what all of that other piece looks like. But you know, opportunities in these communities. Brandon, please go ahead. And I'll oh, I was going to say something else that came to my mind to, to that point is not only has this been great for some of those elite athletes, but I think this has kind of been a real boom. And, and I hopefully it continues for female athletes in, uh, in college athletics. I mean, if you look at, you know, Paige Buckner's and the Cavender twins in uh, Fresno State, um, I, I hope this starts, I don't know if level the playing field is, is the right way to put it. Um, but, you know, I, if there's any unintended consequences, I hope it's that we can start highlighting some of these female athletes who maybe don't get that airtime uh, on their games on ESPN and other places um, and, and kind of act and, and serve as role models for uh, younger female athletes. What about that, Carly? Uh, is there an opportunity there for female athletes to catch up and maybe make a little, make up a little ground here? Yeah, I think so. It's, I'm sure Dr. Grant could speak more to this and maybe from a statistical standpoint, but you think about the influencers, those who are really active on social media, oftentimes those are women, right? And that's a, that's a real platform that female student athletes um, have had and have really built, but can now monetize. Sure. Um, so I think that's really exciting. And, you know, just the, uh, you know, thinking about ways that athletes, male or female, can be creative um, and tap into what is most exciting and accessible to them um, is so huge for all of this. And yeah, I'm certainly excited having been a female student athlete and thinking about the opportunities I would have wanted to pursue um, that are now available. Um, it's it's definitely exciting and makes me- I excited. like this, Carly, because you were imagining all of the ways you could have capitalized on this. And now you're passing this along to other students. I think that's really great. Yeah, it, it makes me feel like uh, living vicariously through this town. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dr. Grant, what about that? Um, as far as the, the female piece, you mentioned that a lot of women's teams or programs are some of the highest NIL producers, and, and that's yeah. a good thing, right? Yeah, absolutely, and and I do. I think it, I think it helps level the playing field a little bit more. I think people underestimate the impact that that some of those women student athletes can have. Um, you know, Olivia Dunn, she's a gymnast at LSU. You know, she's she's projected to be one of the highest earners. I think when it when it passed, she was in Times Square and they had her Instagram. She's got massive following online, but even there, right? She's a gymnast from LSU who grew up in New Jersey. Like the uniqueness, the component. But when you read articles about Olivia Dunn, she says, you know, when I started using social media, I was really serious about it. Like she started with the, I always call it PPV, right? Purpose, plan, value from the very beginning. So if you have a purpose, you create a plan, and then you know the value that you add. And I think that's the important piece. So I've seen... Um, women lacrosse players who will do like YouTube videos and, and they'll walk you through the day of being a, a female student athlete at the division one level or whatever level. I, I think there's a, a niche pocket there. I just saw a, a girl from, I think it was a school in Pittsburgh. She uh, started creating a podcast and she's only interviewing walk-on student athletes, right? Like they're finding elements to that they're passionate about. And they are a, a lot of times the females are better at content creation because uh, sometimes they're just more creative or they have mm -hmm. a specific niche in, in that realm. So I think it's, I think it's awesome to see that. Um, and, and I'll be curious to see how that continues to push forward, you know, because they don't, some of them don't have the next level professional sport to play. So right. they're also very business minded and entrepreneur from the standpoint of I have this following let's, let's be strategic about it and, and push. 
we have some students uh, in the chat here, and we're going to have a Q&A portion here in about seven minutes. But before we get to that, I had a couple of other things, and then I'd love to hear if any of you have any final thoughts. Um, for the Connor Arthur, I see Connor Arthur's in the chat. He's a wide receiver at Trine University. We have other student athletes as well. For our students, Division Three, Carly and, and, and Dr. Grant, what's a specific piece of advice for somebody in a smaller town of how maybe they can make some headway even this year with this? Is there something specific for a small town Division Three athlete uh, to help them maybe get a start here with this? Yeah, I think I would say, you know, think um, in your small town, um, where are places that you frequent? Where are places sure. that, um, you know, you go often where people may, you know, know who you are, whether it's a local store, whether it's a local restaurant, um, and really tap into those personal connections. Y'all have a unique opportunity where, you may not, you know, have your face on ESPN every Saturday. However, you're in um, community living and doing life with people who um, may want to work with you. So have those in-person relationships, um, strike up a conversation, um, you know, ask if there's, for example, a restaurant that you're interested in. Hey, you know, have you thought about doing an NIL deal with an athlete? What might that look like for you? What would you restaurant owner, manager want, hope to get out of that? You know, is it, um, are you interested in driving more people to your social media? Do you want to have more community engagements? And I can, you know, and as you're having those conversations, get the wheels turning of, all right, you know, does this mean I should boost up my social media? Should I think about doing an appearance and sign some autographs here? But I think what you all have as a unique, um, a unique value is being able to create those in-person relationships with folks who are, who are local to try. And so I would tap into those. Carly, would most businesses sponsor a specific athlete or would they want to provide resources for an entire team? What, what would be more likely or is it pretty much the same? Yeah, it, it really, some of that is brand and business dependent. You know, what does okay. their budget look like? How much are, you know, are they wanting to really have one person be uh, an ambassador or are they wanting to really support more athletes, whether it's from the same team or, you know, position group or whatever. So some of that would be brand dependent, but if it's something you're interested in, um, there have been a lot of cases where athletes have said, you know, Hey, it's nice that you'll give me a free dinner, but can I bring my, you know, my lineman, can I bring my position group? So that's certainly a conversation that, um, I, you know, encourage you to have if you're interested and see where, um, the brand, the business, the company might be interested in lying. Cade McNamara is the QB in Michigan. He took his entire offensive line uh, to the steakhouse. I can't fathom how much that money that would cost. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a great way to marshal this new opportunity. Dr. Grant, anything to add to, to this kind of idea of a specific opportunity for maybe yeah. a Division three athlete? Yeah, absolutely. So I think part of this is understanding, again, this, this is a two-way street, right? It's not just you getting money. It's, it's clarifying your value and your return on investment. And it, it's, a, it's a sales pitch, right? Like you're asking them to invest in you. In return, they get this. And it can't just be, hey, I'm, I'm a wide receiver. I play football, right? Like what is that return on investment? And I think it's a good skill for students to have to be able to walk into a place and clarify, here's the value you're going to get from providing this. I think the other thing is, again, identifying is there a way to connect this to the next steps, right? Almost all the kids at Trine are going to have to go get a, get a job somewhere. So is this is there a way to connect this to, to what I want to do in my career? Is there a way to add some sort of value that I can talk about moving forward? Because like you said, some organizations want to sponsor individuals, right? Other organizations have different unique goals. And, and this, 
this could be a unique one. For example, um, junks, college hunks hauling junk, right? Just signed literally the, the Howard men's basketball team to a deal. Okay. So there's, there's financial upfront, but additionally, every time there's incentives for when they help them find new employees or new um, jobs, right? So if you think about it, right, if you are really connected to the students at Trine and they need to purchase something and they need to have something and you have the connectivity point, there's a whole nother piece where you can say, hey, um, I'd like to start this NIL deal. Is there a rev share model where if I bring in new customers or you're struggling finding people to hire, I've got all these buddies that need jobs, et cetera. Is there some, so it's about being creative and really identifying what do you like? What's the value? What's the return on investment? And clearly identifying what that looks like coming across. Professor Podgorski, uh, obviously you know our students better than anybody. Any other thoughts on this, this piece? Yeah, you know, as they were talking, I was thinking about, you know, to plug our, our podcast with the Center for Sports Studies. But a couple episodes ago, uh, I interviewed uh, Patrick Koenig. And, and Pat is a, is a former roommate of mine. And now he's become like the preeminent American golf blogger photographer. He just goes all across the world photographing golf courses, um, hanging out with celebs. It's, it, it actually makes me jealous. Um, but <laughs> He just started this. He was in sales, had this passion for golf and photography, and he just starts taking photos and posting them. And I asked him, I'm like, how in the world did you actually make this a career where you could quit your job and just travel around the country? And he said, you know, one, it, it takes time, but you've got to be deliberate. You know, we talked about using social media. It's not just kind of posting things from time to time. It's actually having a plan, you know, and who are you? What's your brand? You know, as I think about my social media, I, I like to at least try to brand myself as a sport management expert, although that can probably be argued. But, you know, that's how I try to position myself. So when I post about things, you know, I, I post about sport management and, you know, every now and then I'll post something, you know, maybe personal with a photo of my kid or, you know, complaining about the Cubs not signing anybody. I mean, you know, you've got to be deliberate about it. And if you're only doing it once a week or here and there, it's not going to work. So, um, you know, figure out who you are, um, where your kind of morals and ethics and brand, does it align with maybe a certain business, whether you're a D3 athlete or D1, and, um, and go after it and show them that, you know, hey, this is my following, this is what I'm doing, um, and, you know, I want you to be part of this, and I think I can help and, and see what happens. Great stuff, I think, from all three of you in terms of some specific things that our students can do. I, I want to kind of wrap up, Carly, with something that you said before, which is that the NIL really isn't the end. It might just be the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, where do we go from here? Uh, you know, the, the concept of amateurism is cloudy for me right now. Um, you know, trying to fully understand what that word even means right now in our current landscape with the NIL and other things happening. What do you see down the road, maybe in the next 10 to 15 years that could continue to make this situation evolve? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in some ways it's, it's anyone's guess, but it certainly seems like we're moving towards a world where, um, you know, potential employment of, of student athletes, well, now they will be, you know, employees and just athletes, right? Mm -hmm. um, whether that is full on employment, whether that is some of the baby steps in between things like uh, workers comp or different health and insurance benefits, things like that um, may kind of, uh, you know, fall in line there. Um, potential for, 
media um, dollars that are coming in, getting shared with athletes, um, you know, if games are on televised or however that may play out. There's a lot of, um, I think, incremental steps between where we currently stand and full on employment, for example, um, that over the next months potentially or years um, will play out. But I think that's the, the direction we're moving towards as athletes are rightfully um, more empowered in having more rights um, and a little bit more vocal and folks are recognizing that there's uh, ground to be covered. Um, I think people are being real intentional about, um, you know, what are the, the best first steps to take, right? Not jumping way too much into the deep end, crawling sure. before, you're walking, before you're running. But um, I think there's just going to be a lot more empowerment and a lot more um, economic uh, rights. But with that, with those new opportunities comes a heck of a lot of responsibility. So um, for athletes, just, you know, being aware that it may, a lot of these things may sound great and they may have benefits, um, but there's a lot of things to be aware of too, right? When you're- So it's athlete. great to have resources like Dr. Grant and uh, yeah. and uh, Carly uh, to help navigate this space. We, we've been talking for a while and we do have some students and friends uh, who are on the chat and and at this point, I think, Brandon, uh, if, it's, if it's okay with you, let's open it up to questions and uh, let's hear from some of the folks listening along the, the Zoom call. So if you have a question, please feel free to unmute your mic and, and fire away. Or if you're a little shy, you could also put it in the chat and, uh, <laughs> and I'll ask for you. But I, I promise Dr. Uh, Grant and Carly, they will not bite. Somebody's got to be the first penguin. There we go. Uh, um, so I'm Connor Arthur. I'm a sophomore sports management major here. And uh, like Professor Brown said, I play f uh, football here at Trine. I'm a wide receiver. And um, I don't really have a question, but I really just wanted to say thank you guys for um, this because this helps me a lot. Because when NIO was first introduced, being a D3 athlete, I really didn't think about it affecting me that much. Just because, you know, I'm, I'm a big Ohio State fan. I'm from Ohio. And I was like, guys like CJ Stroud, those guys, <laughs> you know, Chris Olave, those guys are the guys that are going to make that money. And you never really think about you being on the same like platform as them. But this today really helped me. And, you know, maybe maybe there are opportunities for me to maybe capitalize on something like this. So I just wanted to thank you guys a lot for speaking. Thanks, Connor. Well, let, let me ask you now that now that you're on the spot, um, you know, after you've kind of learned all this or, or listened to all this, um, what changes might you make or if you could try to you know, get your own NIL deal, uh, how do you think you may go about it? I don't know, personally, just like maybe reaching out and just trying to build my brand, like you guys mentioned, because I try to like build my brand on all my social medias and stuff. And maybe just going out and having this conversation of, you know, like, I think I would be a great promoter for your business, et cetera. I'm very involved in the community and just things like that. And just trying to, like you guys said, just really be um, on the same level on all your brands. So, you know, Connor, I was getting my haircut last year and Nick Bowman was in there and Nick Bowman's an all American division three player for our basketball team. And there's something special about trying in the fact that our community really does connect uh, to our teams and uh, the ladies, uh, some older ladies at the barber shop were just fawning over Nick Bowman and, and uh, the barber knew him pretty well. And there are opportunities, I think, even in Angola for our student athletes, just because of that connection. I mean, Connor, you know, 
Uh, our football games are packed, uh, just absolutely jammed with fans who are really enthusiastic. So I think there are some opportunities uh, for our student athletes at Trine, and it'll be fascinating to see where that goes. Yeah, for sure. I, I agree. Thank you so much for speaking today. Those Ohio State uh, student athletes will have a lot of time to spend their NIL money <laughs> Uh, when they're not playing in the playoffs this year. Here we go. That that was a quick one. I liked it. I like it. I could have always. It's been so long. (laughs) Any other questions from any of the students or folks along the line? I guess I got a question really quick. So is it common with these NIL deals that you're having to hire an agent, having to hire – um someone basically to help you out with this because especially us being so young and stuff like that or like college students or most of these deals are the college students is it common for people to be getting agents at this age already i think it's dependent on the situation right so if if you would classify yourself as a person that is getting nil deals coming at you often um and the management of that is overwhelming then there may be a an opportunity to have discussions with agents, I think. But if you're if you're getting NIL deals that are, hey, we'd like to give you free pizza, etc., you have to understand what you're what you're giving away for what you're actually bringing in. I do think there are certain times, and, and a lot of times when we deal with athletes, and they'll say, "I think I need to get an agent." We always say, "Why? Do you have people?" like beating down your door for so many endorsement deals that, that you just can't handle it. And they're like, well, no, and it's like, okay, well let's get a strategy in place first. So when that does occur, then, then that can happen. But I think people do underestimate the amount of time it takes. Like if you need to, if they're having you do um, events or things like that, right? Like there is a lot of time management and structuring of those types of things where you may need to hire someone who isn't an agent, but almost like a personal assistant. So part of that is identifying where you're at on that, that spectrum um, and figure out what, what fits best for you. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, Whether or not it's a formal agent, um, I would imagine most college athletes at any level don't need, but like Dr. Grant said, it is work, right? So whether that's you have a parent um, or a sibling who's willing to help you with this, there have been a few um, you know, D1 football players who uh, have, whose brothers have basically volunteered to sift through all the DMs, sift through all the emails and help identify what um, uh, opportunities make the most sense, what their brother who's the athlete might want to do and help coordinate some of those logistics. Um, you might be surprised to know that there are even some NFL players whose parents, whose moms are still their marketing reps, not negotiating, you know, the playing contracts and things like that. But you know, folks that you would recognize from a Madden cover that those deals were negotiated by their mom. Um, and whether or not, you know, that's you know how you want to go about it. I say that to say, you know, it for some of these, you know, free pizza deals or, you know, one-offs here or there, you might not need a full-blown um, marketing agent in this space, but totally agree that having people that you trust who can help you manage those logistics while you all have busy schedules already, um, it can be really helpful. Yeah. And I, I think before you would go to the agent route, you really need to identify, you need to build a team, right? Mm-hmm. But but a team of people that number one, have the best interests of, of you. It could be maybe your high school coach. It could be whoever that might, your parents, somebody you trust that's, that's a friend in business school that really understands this, whatever that might be, have a team, have a conversation and 
let them poke holes in everything that you're saying. So you can start to clarify what this really looks like for you moving forward. Mm -hmm. If you ever do have the conversation with an agent, because I mean, let's face it, agents get paid based on your ability to monetize certain things, right? Like that, I, I know a lot of agents, some are really good, some are sharks in the water. So you have mm -hmm. to be careful of having your support team prior to having, I think, some of those conversations. That's a really good question, Reese. Thank you. Absolutely. Anybody else? There was one in the chat I, I responded to. Mike. Oh, oh, okay. Said something about how important do you see NIL education in high school? Man, I, being a high school, former high school coach, teacher, AD, um, this is where I, I want to live the majority of the time. Um, it's coming fast and furious, man. It, and I just did the keynote for the Ohio High School Athletic Directors Association and, and kind of peeled back the curtain on what it looked like for colleges and, and some implications for high schools. Um, I, I get worried because let's face it, high school kids haven't had brand education. I get worried about college students because most of the education that is provided to them isn't really about personal branding for life. Um, so I'm a big believer. I push personal branding and, and social media education number one before all of that happens. You're going to see the elite. Like there was an article that just came out is the junior year, the new senior year. Um, you've got kids like Mikey Williams in North Carolina who is not playing for a state sanctioned team for the state of North Carolina because he just signed a deal with Puma, right? You've got a growing in California that signed a deal with Spalding. You have uh, who just announced, so Sonny Styles from Pickerington in Ohio, he just announced he's reclassifying to 22 and he's going to Ohio State a year early, right? I'm not saying it's for NIL, but Quinn Ewers, state of Texas is going to relook at their rules and regulations on NIL because they just had the best player in the state of Texas leave early. I mean, they make their money. State organizations make their money off ticket sales, right? Ticket sales are higher when you have the best players playing and it's entertainment. So if you're going to see people at the high school level start losing that, this is going to go spiraling and, and faster. And, and there's a sincere lack of education that worries me just across the board. And, and that's why nil-education.com has started. That's where I'm going to try to push and try to help. Um, but it, <laughs> that's a big pocket, man. Dr. Scott, you led me into uh, my final thing. First of all, thank you. Uh, what a fantastic contribution. How can people get in touch with you if they want to learn more about uh, what you're offering and, and maybe touch base with you. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I have two kind of companies, triple threat leadership.com. Um, I have a branding of me class that I created when I was at UNC and it also for, for high school students, college students, there's about 10,000 kids. And, and I worked with about 250 different schools. Um, and then when I was giving the keynote, AD raised his hand and said, where can I send parents to learn more about this? And I go, holy crap, there's nowhere. So I just started nil-education.com, um, which is going to continue to provide education and insight around what this is. And really, for me, what that looks like from a high school perspective as this continues to roll down the path. So triple threat leadership.com, nil-education.com. Fire me a message. I'm more than willing to help with, with whatever I can. Okay, important resources there. Carly, uh, again, uh, fantastic contribution from you today. So so much appreciate your time. How can people touch base with you going forward? Thank you. Yeah, I'm glad to have been here um, and learned so much from my fellow panelists as well. Um, best place to get in touch is Altius Partners. I'll try and point there by my name. <laughs> um, that's where you can find Altius on Twitter. Um, we're also on LinkedIn. And then you'll be able to find me through there. Um, we'll, we'll have our 
you know, or team bios and things like that up there. I can also put my email in the chat. Happy to have further conversations or connect with any of y'all offline as well. But um, I'll throw that in there. But thanks again for having me. Brandon, thank you for putting this thing together on behalf of the Center for Sports Studies. Uh, this is such an important issue. Uh, thank you for the legwork to put it all together, uh, Professor Pogorski. My pleasure and, and appreciate, um, Andy, you, you being the moderator and, and Dr. Grant and Carly, um, just getting to know them and, and talk with them beforehand and then having them come on here. Um, you know, my, my expectations were high after talking with them because they're like, wow, these they're fantastic. You know, I just met them uh, through through uh, social or email or whatever, you know, less than a month ago. And then they come on today and, and knocked it out of the park. So um, just really, really appreciate you guys uh, more than you know, and, and really appreciate all, all the students and everybody, you know, from outside of the tribe um, joining us today. I hope everybody learned something. And it, it's our pleasure to be able to provide this now at Trine University. I think the Center for Sports Studies is that one thing where, you know, as you're looking at different universities, um, especially as a prospective student, um, you know, where can I go to, to learn and to grow and to network and, you know, providing opportunities like this, I think, you know, just puts kind of a, uh, another thing on our resume or, or maybe just kind of maybe puts us ahead of maybe some other school, some like schools. So um, that, that'll be all for my branding, but just had to put that in. I just wanted to commend you all for doing this. I, I did take a summer macroeconomics class at Tri-State, so I do have <laughs> trying on my, um, it's a special place and, and there aren't a lot of schools that are willing to do this and support you from that perspective. So, you know, be, be thankful that you have um, professors that are willing to go above and beyond to help you in this space because that is, that is not normal. So congratulations on that. And, and thanks so much for letting me be a part. We want to thank everybody for joining us today on our NIL Brand Symposium. We'd like to thank our panelists so much for joining us today. To watch or listen to today's symposium, check out the Trine University Sports Management YouTube channel or the Center for Sports Studies podcast, which is available on all the podcast platforms. I listen to it on Spotify, uh, but you can do Apple, Google, Stitcher, whichever you prefer. For more information about the Center for Sports Studies, please visit trine.edu. Be sure to like the Trine Center for Sports Studies on Facebook. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Trine CSS. For Brandon Podgorski, Carly Tower, and Dr. Scott Grant, I'm Andy Brown. Thanks to all of you for joining us. Thanks for listening to this presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu.